Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you uh, wonder about, you're curious about getting a biblical perspective on. That's what this show is about, is to give you those kinds of answers, and we are also here to pray for you. So if you have something going on in your life that you need prayer for, we'd love it if you'd call in. We've got a lot of people tuning in all over the country, even people outside the United States who are just kind of standing by, listening in. And as we pray for your prayer requests, they'll be able to agree with us in prayer, and that'll be a great thing. So give us a call with your prayer requests. Give us a call with your questions about life from a biblical perspective and your questions about the Bible. Love to answer those for you and hopefully bring some clarity to some areas where there's been confusion in the past. So give us a call, 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. That's 720 336 0897. Well, we want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and in Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. We're so glad to have you tuning in and listening today. We also want to greet those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to greet those who are uh, listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. Those of you listening on Grace FM today here in Colorado and up into the Cheyenne, Wyoming area, uh, we want you to know you're hearing the show live today. It's a Monday. It's May 17th, and we're so glad that you are with us. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. That's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. And we want to remind you guys who are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, so that's the East Coast and the Appalachian region, you're hearing this show on a one-week delay, which means that you are hearing a show, as you listen right now, that aired one week ago prior to, to you hearing it. And what that means for you practically is this. We still want you to call in. We want you to be part of the show. Ask your questions. Call us with your prayer requests. And then you actually have a unique opportunity that unique opportunity is that you know when your show is going to air one week after you call in. And that'll give you a cool opportunity where you can invite maybe some friends, some family members, maybe people who are kind of on the fence when it comes to Jesus, or maybe maybe they're not interested or they maybe they haven't plugged into a church. Maybe they're not growing. And you can tell them, hey, I'm going to be on this Christian radio station at such and such a time on this particular day. And you should tune in and listen. And as you do that, not only are they going to hear you on the radio, but they're going to hear your uh, the other questions that are asked. They're going to, maybe it'll become a preset in their car as they're driving. Maybe it'll be something that they listen to regularly from that time forward, and God will use it in their lives 
to change them and bring about transformation in their hearts, their minds, their souls. That would be amazing. And we hear stories about that all the time, about how people get introduced to the station or they find it as they're scrolling through channels in their car and God ends up doing a great work in their life through the teaching of his word that airs on these stations. So whether you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, whether you're listening on Grace FM, whether you're listening online, we'd love it if you would help us get the word out about Calvary Live and about the other great Bible teaching that is taking place on these stations. We also want to give a big hello, of course, to everyone who's listening online. So welcome to you who are tuning in online. I got a screenshot of the map here of where people are tuning in today. It looks like we've got a, quite a few listeners on the West Coast, uh, Northern California, kind of Bay Area, as well as Southern California. It looks like we've got Phoenix, Arizona, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Rocky Mountain region, all up and down the front range of the Rockies here in Colorado is representing. We've also got Washington State, Midwest uh, states representing. It looks like somebody down in Louisiana as well, as well as the East Coast and, of course, Ukraine. So welcome to our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from online. So great to have you guys tune in who are outside of our over-the-air broadcast range. And um, I would love for you guys to give us a call. That's 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897 is the text line. Call us with your Bible questions, call us with your prayer requests. I see we already have a couple calls and texts coming in right now, and we're going to get to those in just a second. But before we do that, let me just tell you a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Friday. Now, I used to host on Mondays for, I think it was like almost two years I hosted on Mondays, um, but then I swapped with Jeff Figs. He was doing Friday and I was doing Monday and we decided to switch. So now I'm on Fridays, he's on Mondays, but I'm filling in for him today. Now, Pastor Jeff's actually going to be here at our church in Longmont um, this weekend, not on Sunday. He's going to be here Friday and Saturday. We're doing a men's conference. It's the Calvary Chapel Northern Front Range men's conference. If any of you out there are interested in attending, we still have 20 spots available. So we've kind of come down to the final 20 spots that are available. It's taking place this weekend. All the people who forgot to sign up yet are now um, trying to sign up all of a sudden. And, and so we've got very few spots left. But if you would like to be there for it, this is going to be a time of prayer. It's going to be a time of studying the word. As I said, Pastor Jeff from Greeley is going to be here. We've got Pastor Sean from Calvary Cheyenne coming got Pastor Michael Payne, who is one of our pastors here at Whitefields Community Church, and they're going to be teaching. We're also going to have fellowship, food, prayer. It's going to be a great time encouraging for all the men. So, like I said, we'd love to fill it all up. So we've got 20 spots left. If there's any of you out there who are interested in attending, now would be a great time to sign up. You can go to our church's website, whitefieldschurch.com. Just go to the events button, click on the events button, and then you'll find the way to go there and pay for it and get registered. It's only $25, which basically covers the price of lunch on Saturday. So we're looking forward to doing that and expecting good weather later on in the week. Some of our stuff will be outside, and so we're looking forward to that. We'd love to have you men join. But as I said, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. And we love studying the Bible. We love worshiping the Lord. We'd love to have you join us uh, for worship at our church on Sunday mornings, we have three in-person services and one, or sorry, two. So let me start over. We have three in-person services and two online services. 
So our in-person services are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. 8, 9.30, and 11. And our online services are at 9.30 and 11. For directions, for uh, how to watch our live stream, how to get here, check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love to have you join us. This Sunday, we're starting a new series because this Sunday is Pentecost. And so we are going to be kicking off Pentecost by studying, first of all, what happened on Pentecost, what it means for us. That's in Acts chapter 2. But through this, we're going to start a series for five weeks. We're going to look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in a series called The Spirit-Filled Life. And we'd love to have you be part of that and just immerse yourself in the knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit, this person of the Trinity and of the Godhead. And we believe it's going to be a really rich and, and rewarding study. So we'd love to have you join us for that. All right, we've got full lines, so let's get working on those. Let's go to Jason in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, sir. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Uh, so my question is, um, if somebody has not been exposed to the Word, will they have a chance uh, to choose to be saved either, I guess, upon death or after death? And if you have any verses that I could use to kind of investigate further? Sure. Yeah. So um, the question, can a person be saved? Let's say they weren't exposed to the gospel during their life. Can they be saved after death? Will there be a, a second chance for them, if you will? And Bible verses that support this. Well, I would say, unfortunately, I think the answer is no. Now, um, this is why it's so important for people, number one, it's so important. There's an urgency to the to us getting the gospel out. And there's also an urgency for people who have heard the gospel to respond to it. Now, a few verses that I can give you, I'm going to tell you to go to Romans chapter one. And the other place I'm going to tell you is to go to Luke chapter 16. These are two different stories. Let me start with the Luke 16 one, and we'll come back to the, to the Romans chapter one. Okay. In Luke chapter 16, we read a story of the rich man and Lazarus, whereas Jesus tells many parables this story doesn't seem to be a parable at all. This story actually seems to be a true story about a rich man and a man named Lazarus who was very poor. He was like a beggar. And what's so interesting is that whereas Lazarus, who had no name on earth, if you will, he is named in the story, whereas the rich man who had a name for himself on earth because he was rich and wealthy, successful, etc., he had a name. Uh, in this story, he has no name which is interesting. We get God's perspective on this, that Lazarus has a name. The rich man is not given a name. And the rich man had essentially neglected God or kind of, um, he had been like another man in a story that Luke tells who had been poor towards God, though he was rich in the things of the world. And so what happens is they both die. Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, which is a place of comfort as they wait the redemption, which the Messiah will bring. And the rich man goes to Hades, which is a place of torment as he awaits the judgment which is to come. And it says that the, the rich man, he essentially realizes once he gets to Hades, the tragedy of the fact that he um, did not respond to God. And he asks, you know, is there anything that can be done? And they said, no, 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 there's a great chasm that exists between you two and it cannot be crossed. And that's really the key to the, the, your question here. There's a chasm which cannot be crossed. Now, to your other question, what if somebody wasn't, or maybe to the other point of your question, which was, what if somebody hasn't been exposed to the gospel? Well, that's where I'd take you to Romans chapter 1, where we read this. 
I'm going to just open it real quick. And here's what it says. It says, starting in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And this is where it gets interesting. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is obvious to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And if you go through this section, what you find is that Paul speaks to um, several different groups of people. First of all, he says that, um, that God's gospel, the good news of Jesus, the saving work of Jesus is needed for those who are religious. It's needed for those who are non-religious and it's needed for the Jews. So three groups of people, the religious, the non-religious and the Jews, they all need it. And the point is this in this section, starting in verse 18 of chapter one, where he's saying, look, here's the deal with people who have, let's say they haven't heard about Jesus specifically. They do know enough about God to know that they have sinned and that they need to cast themselves upon the mercy of God, even if they haven't yet heard about Jesus. But yet people don't do that because in our, in our fallen nature, what we do is it's not that we don't know who God is. It's that we have enough information to know enough things about God, but we suppress that knowledge and we rebel against God. And all of us have done that, at least at some point in our lives. He says that in Romans chapter three, and then again in Romans six. So that would be the answer to your question. But all the more that just gives us the understanding that there is an absolute urgency to both preach the gospel and respond to the gospel. Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Jason. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Whenever you hear somebody uh, go off the air like that, that means that we have one open line now. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. That's 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Trina in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Trina. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Hi, Trina. You're on the air. Trina, it sounds like you're having trouble hearing me. Can you hear me? I was losing you. I was getting out of my porch, and then I said, let me come inside. I'm not going to move. <laughs> um, I'm Pastor McKay. Yes, I'm here. Are you there? I am. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Um, I, I'm just, right now, I am praying very hard on whether or not to take the vaccine. Um, I'm asking for God's wisdom. Um, and while I was praying, um, I, got the co I got COVID, and that was a couple months ago. It wasn't bad, thank God. And uh, Trina, you cut out on me. Okay. Um, I think we'll have to let Trina go, but I see her question here is this. She's struggling with whether or not to take the vaccine. She has fears. She's prayed about it, still uncomfortable about what to do, uh, what to do. Well, it's interesting. She mentioned that she's had it, which means that on some level she probably has antibodies. So Trina, if you're able to hear me, my advice to you would be that you should talk to your doctor and you should ask your doctor um, what he or she says about whether you should take the vaccine if you have had COVID already. I know that for some people, 
uh, having had COVID and then getting the vaccine helps them recover from long COVID and things like that. Um, as far as a theological reason to take or not take the gospel, uh, what am I saying? It's not take or take the vaccine. Um, there's absolutely no concern on the end of this being like the mark of the beast. I think that's one of the concerns that people have. Is this the mark of the beast? Um, clearly it's not. And the reason it's not is there's several reasons. One of them is that the mark of the beast is not something that you will do on accident. It will be a willful act of rebellion. It will be a denial of Christ. And this is not that. So it's, and, and we should never think of the mark of the beast as something that, you know, it's going to be like, oh, I, I wanted to walk with Jesus, but then I accidentally got the mark of the beast by doing this or that thing which I was doing for a good reason, for example, like trying to help other people not die from a deadly virus. And so now I, I lost my soul because I accidentally got the mark of the beast. That is not at all how it works. And, um, you know, I think the other thing that people always forget about the mark of the beast is that, and this just shows, don't just read isolated verses in the Bible. You got to read the whole section, right? Because in that section, it talks about the mark of the beast. It contrasts, it juxtaposes the mark of the beast with another mark, which is the mark of the lamb. And so believers are marked with a mark as well. Believers are marked with the mark of the lamb. So it's one or the other. You're either going to be marked with the mark of the lamb or marked with the mark of the beast. And um, we should definitely be much more focused on making sure that we get marked with the mark of the lamb, no matter what the cost will be of that. Furthermore, I also think that uh, when it comes to those things, uh, we who are believers will not be here anymore anyway, because I believe in the rapture of the church. So I really don't think there's anything to fear. I think uh, absolutely also as Christians, we get to be the people who have literally nothing to fear in life or death because of what Jesus has done and what that means for us. In Christ, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, which means that even the worst things that could possibly happen in this life in Christ they become the best things that could possibly happen to us in this life, right? If we suffer, then we get to be partakers in Christ's suffering. We get to fill up in our bodies what is lacking in Christ's sufferings, right? As Paul said, we get to have the fellowship of suffering with Jesus. So it brings us into closer suffering, and he does amazing things in our lives through those struggles. Furthermore, if we die, that literally brings us to the presence of Jesus. And so that's the best thing that could happen to us. And so to live as Christ, to die as gain, we can live without fear, absolutely. And uh, I would say, ask your doctor, pray about it, what to do. But the one thing you don't need to do is be afraid. That's the last thing you need to do. Um, you're not going to get the mark of the beast on accident. The other fear that people have concerning the vaccine is that it contains uh, aborted fetus cells. And if you look at the, uh, at least I know this, that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines do not because of the way that they're created. I've heard that the AstraZeneca one does, um, so I personally would say that you should avoid that. I don't know about Johnson & Johnson. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I can do research online just like all of you, and I would just say let's avoid any vaccines that have any kind of trace amounts of uh, aborted fetal cells. But uh, thankfully, the two most um, active vaccines in the United States are not ones that have that, that, uh, that material in them. So... Uh, Trina, my advice to you would be if it is safe, it is if it is ethical, then um, it is actually a pro-life action to get the vaccine. You're uh, not only helping yourself, you're helping others. So let's go to our next caller, Caleb in New Jersey. Caleb, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What's up? 
Um, yeah, I was calling for uh, prayer. Um, April 24th last year, I was feeling funny. I went to the hospital, found out I had uh, blood clots in my lungs and my leg. Um, I was okay after that, but I was... Um, after that, I got a lot of anxiety, fear, and depression. Ever since that day for a whole year straight, I just thought I was going to die every single day. Um, but I've had a, a friend started telling me to uh, read the Bible and uh, watch, like, uh, different churches and stuff like that. And throughout that, it ended up getting better and better until recently where it um, basically was all taken away from me. And I feel like God gave me joy. Um, so I just wanted to ask for prayer to keep me on this road and to keep getting closer to God, keep reading the Bible, keep, uh, watching church services online. And also I read, uh, the prayer of Jabez and about, uh, one line in there about expanding my territory, because I believe now my purpose is for me to serve and to bring people closer to Christ and to help people that are going through what I've been to. Uh, been through and to bring them closer to God. Cool. Jacob or Caleb, I'm so uh, happy to hear that you've been reading your Bible and that you've been watching church online. Let me ask you this. Have you been able to, uh, I'm not sure what the rules are like in New Jersey. I mean, is it possible for you to be in fellowship with other believers, like in a church physically or to be in, in groups? Um, They're actually just now starting to uh, let that be possible. So I'll, I'll be able to go to church soon. Yeah, I think that would be really helpful, you know, because I think there's something about being in the room with other believers, hearing the Word of God, you know, all having your Bibles open. It helps you focus. I know we were doing church at home for a while early on, and um, it was really a struggle. You know, on the one hand, I kind of liked it because, you know, Sunday morning was, uh, at least for me, it was a lot more relaxed. But I did notice that it was harder and harder and harder for uh, my family to pay attention, you know, to, to the service. Um, it, it became more difficult. So anyway, I think it's a good thing if you can to get back into fellowship in that way. And I would encourage you just look for those opportunities, maybe small groups. Those are also going to be opportunities where you can share your story about what God's done in your life with the anxiety and things like that. And like you said, opportunities to serve others. I think that's great. So let's go ahead and pray right. for you. So, Heavenly Father, we lift up Caleb to you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in his life. And, Lord, we do pray that you would set him free from anxiety, from fear, from depression. Lord, would you uh, stop the ways in which the enemy wants to twist and mess with his life and his mind? And, Lord, would you set him free in every way? Would he experience, we ask, the freedom of the sons of God, Lord, as he walks with you? Lord, we ask that you would take away the source of his anxiety, the source of his fear, the source of his depression. We pray that as he reads your word, Lord, that he would be overcome by a sense of that peace that passes all understanding as he casts all of his cares on you because you care for him. So Lord, we pray for him that he would be able to go back to church, Lord, that you would watch over those uh, fellowships as people start to gather again in New Jersey, Lord, that people would be safe, that they would be healthy, and Lord, we pray that they would grow in the knowledge of you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, uh, Thank Caleb. you so much. You bet. God bless you. Thanks for tuning okay. in. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. 
Hey, listen to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you. We would love to hopefully answer some of your questions that you have about the Bible and about life and how those two relate to each other. And so give us a call, 303-690-3000. We've got two open lines. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Matthew in Commerce City. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I had a question regarding uh, the speaking of tongues. Okay. I have a friend who has been inviting me to fellowship I attended, and I also invited my father. And what we experienced was a little bit different of speaking of tongues than what we're used to. Um, we were raised apostolic, um, so we very, uh, very much, uh, you know, we're into the laying of hands, anointing of oils. Um, we were running up and down the aisles at times, you know. Um, so I'm not one to shy away from the gifts of the Spirit or uh, the Pentecost or things like that. So when I showed up, I kind of had a foreknowledge that he was gearing me up towards the speaking of tongues. And when I arrived, the pastor called on each individual to speak in tongues, kind of on command, in a group setting of only about, you know, 15 or so. Um, I was observant, and immediately after they spoke in tongues, they were asked to interpret their own speaking of tongues. And um, I listened, and I was I was uh, kind of a little bit in awe because I had never seen this practice before. Um, growing up apostolic, there were members of the church who would speak in tongues, and, you know, as we were in worship. And now when I speak in tongues, I just, you know, when I'm in worship or prayer, it's kind of one-on-one with God, and um, I've never interpreted um, for anyone, and you know, I've I've tried since I've been going to that church, or since I've visited their fellowship, I should say, to just kind of interpret kind of what's going on, and I don't know if that's my gift of the spirit, but uh, my friend is telling me that we should always be able to, um, you know, kind of all day long speak in tongues. You know, uh, we're we're allowed the gifts all the time. They're available to any any anybody who claims um, to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. So, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts on that. I could uh, share with you just a heads up that we have less than two minutes to until our mid-show break. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to have to probably end up putting you on hold, and then we'll continue talking about this right after the break. So, just a heads up that that's going to happen. But um, yeah, so a few things I would say. You know, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, those are the most important chapters, of course, when it comes to the practice of using the gifts in the church. In chapter 12, Paul talks about a lot about what the gifts are. And in chapter 14, he talks about specifically the gift of tongues versus the gift of prophecy. And he kind of compares the two. And he talks about the differences between them and how they are to be used within the church. 
And so, yeah, he does say if somebody's going to speak in tongues there sh- in a public gathering, there should be an interpretation. And if there's not, then he doesn't allow speaking of tongues in um, these gatherings because he said the purpose is for um, edification. And he says that uh, if somebody hears somebody speaking in tongues and they, they're not going to be edified because they're not going to know what that person is saying. Now, another thing we're told in, there in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 we are told, Paul asks the question, and he asks it as a way of a hypothetical question. And what he says is, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And his answer is implied. And his answer is no, not everybody does. In fact, the New Living Translation goes so far to say that uh, it goes so far as to include the implied answer, which is, of course not. So we'll, let's continue this conversation on the other side of our break. We've got to go right now. Say, so hey, if you're tuning in, we've got one open line. Call us 303-690-3000. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're answering questions about the Bible, and we're answering your prayer requests by praying for them. So give us a call with your prayer requests. Let us know what's going on in your life that you need prayer for. Uh, we have one open line, so give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720 Nine, seven. We do prioritize the phone calls, and so if you have something that you, you want to definitely have answered, we would love it if you would call in, um, but we do try and get to our text messages as well. Well, right before the break, we were talking to Matthew in Commerce City, and Matthew had a question about speaking in tongues and about interpretation of tongues, and so we started to answer that question, but then we ran right into our, our mid-show break. So Matthew, welcome back to the program. And um, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, right before we were we were going, I was reading to you from First Corinthians twelve, verse thirty, where Paul says, "Do all have the gift of healing? Do all have the ability to speak in tongues? Do all have the ability to interpret tongues?" And the implied answer, which is actually written in the New Living Translation, is, "Of course not." And so the idea here is. And, and that would be definitely something that the context says as well, because right before that, it says that the gifts of the Spirit are given by the Spirit as He wills. That tells us a few things. It tells us that the Holy Spirit is not just a force, but is a person who has a will. And also, He, the Holy Spirit, distributes the gifts as He sees fit. And, that, and then he goes on to say, not everybody has the same gifts, but then he compares it to a body. Just as in a body, there are many parts and each have a different function in the same way. The different members of the church all have different functions. And together, when we, we use our functions together, then the church functions as a whole. So if we're all, let's say, um, you know, speaking in tongues, then the church isn't going to function um, the way that it needs to, because a lot of other gifts aren't being utilized. Now, of course, we could get into the argument of, you know, definitely there are times when, um, you know, the gift of administration might be used at a different time, not in a church uh, meeting or a gift of leadership or something like that. But it seems clear that Paul's saying that not everybody 
is number one, expected to have the same gift. Number two, not everybody does have the same gift. Number three, not everybody should have the same gift. And, um, but as you said, I, I do think there's a place for interpretation. I also think that Paul says, you know, if I could speak in a church service and I could just say a few words as a prophetic message from God, that would be better than speaking a thousand words in an unknown tongue because the purpose in the gathering is for the building up of believers. The other thing I would point out about the gift of tongues, I think this is way too often overlooked, is in chapter 14, Paul says that the gift of tongues, when people speak in tongues, they're speaking to God, not to other men and women. And that's really important. Even if you look back at Acts chapter 2, they were praising God when they spoke in foreign tongues. They were speaking the mighty things of God. So they're not speaking to the people in the foreign tongues, the people who are down below on the street. When they wanted to speak to the people, Peter spoke in a known tongue, which was Greek. He spoke in a common language, and he spoke in a language that everybody could understand. He spoke in Greek, and everybody understood him. And so I think there's a really important principle here, is that the gift of tongues is meant to be something that is used between a person and God. And um, and therefore, you know, a lot of times when I've seen uh, tongues used or, you know, perhaps purportedly used, it is in the sense of like somebody will have a message in tongues and then that'll be interpreted. And the message is not praise to God. It's usually like a message for everybody who's standing around listening. And so, so the, there's my uh, two cents on, on these things. Okay. Then I would just ask for prayer because this conversation was heard between the two of us today. And, um, you know, we had different points of view and people at work were really interested and alongside of that, I had bought this book of biblical characters, and it's very vibrant in colors. And everyone was like looking at it, and the Holy Spirit was stirring something up today. So, yeah, that's that great. And prayer. and you you know, even if this conversation was not something that others heard, I just want you to know you can always get these episodes. They're podcasted, so you can listen to them later on. They're podcasted. Um, you can just go in your podcast apps and go to. Uh, just type in Calvary Live podcast, and it'll come right up. And they're usually posted about a week later. So, Thank you so much for that resource. Let's go ahead and pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for Matthew. And Lord, your word says that we should desire the spiritual gifts, and we should desire the greater gifts. And so, Lord, I pray for Matthew, Lord, that you would uh, let him abound in the spiritual gifts, and that it would be for the building up of the body of Christ. It would be for the edification of others. So we do thank you that he is speaking in tongues for his own edification as well. And we pray, Lord, that you would use him, use the conversations, use the books and resources that he has at his disposal to help him to serve your purposes in the world and to reach his co-workers and, Lord, to build up your church to further your mission. And we pray your blessing upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You bet. God bless. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line. Give me a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Georgette in Maryland. Hi, Georgette. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Glad to have you. Thank you. 
So I was just requesting some prayer. Um, my mom is very ill. Um, we were denied insurance because she is between status here, like we're waiting for her green card application to come through. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, nobody will, you know, sell us any insurance or anything like that. Mm. So right now she's home. She has cancer. It's cancer of the, um, I think they found it in her abdomen. Okay. So she's in a lot of pain. She's vomiting, um, can't sleep, can't eat, can't use the, 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 can't go to the restroom, things like that, weak legs and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, we are Christians and we believe in God, but I know for her, I can see where sometimes her state looks like it's a little, you know, shaky, like a little, like it's dwindling. Mm-hmm. And I did have that conversation with God. And I know a lot of times we go through these things because he wants to, you know, threaten us. Sometimes there are so many other things in our lives that we have to get total dependence and surrender, you know, to him. But it's hard to watch her go through all of this, the pain and the hurt and the disappointment all in one. And then every day, every time when I call anywhere for insurance or any help, I can't get any help. So I just don't know what it's, what else to do. So I'm just asking for prayer, for God's strength, God's wisdom, God's favor, just everything God, you know, pertaining to him. Yes, yes. Let's do that. Um, that's very, very hard, very frustrating. And um, let's pray for your mom. And uh, if there's anybody out there listening who knows of maybe some avenues that, that Georgette needs to pursue uh, for that, maybe text us and um, Georgette, you keep tuning in and we'll we'll let you know if somebody texts us something uh, hopeful. So the text line is 720 Let's go ahead and pray for Georgette and her mom. Lord, we pray for Georgette, uh, particularly for her mom. Lord, we pray for her mom as she has cancer but is not able to get insurance and is not able to get the treatment she needs as she's in pain, as she's unable to do things for herself. Lord, we pray, Lord, for your grace to strengthen her through this time, to carry her through this time as her strength is lacking. And Lord, we pray that she would be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray according to your will, that you would heal her in Jesus' name. And Lord, we also pray for Georgette. Give her wisdom with how to help her mom in the most effective ways. Lord, we pray that you would guide her and direct her to those open doors and those um, perhaps resources that might be out there, Lord, that you want to use to help her mom get the help that she needs. And Lord, I pray for, for her that she would get the help that she needs. And Lord, that the insurance would come through, that there would be a way for them to purchase insurance and be able to get her mom help. Lord, we pray that you would give them favor. We pray for strength. Lord, we pray for blessing, even in the midst of this hardship. And Lord, we pray that your presence would be there with them, embracing them and bringing comfort. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. You bet. Yeah, thank you for um, calling in. All right, bye-bye. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. If you have a prayer request like Georgette's there, 
or if you have a Bible question like Matthew earlier asking about the Holy Spirit, we'd love to talk with you and answer those questions and pray for those prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Um, one quick note here. Um, we had that question from Matthew. Just a heads up that his question was pertaining to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this Sunday is Pentecost. And at as a church here in, and at Whitefields in Longmont, we are doing going to be kicking off a five-week series looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll be looking at the deity of the Holy Spirit. We'll be looking at the Spirit's work in the world the Spirit's work in the life of a believer. We'll talk about walking in the Spirit, grieving the Spirit, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and so if you guys are looking for a good resource, I found that um, Chuck Smith's book on the Holy Spirit is very helpful. It's called Living Water. It's called Living Water. You can get it online. We also sell it here at our church's bookstore if you come to church here. And uh, I think that's a great resource very um easy to to read but not in a bad way easy to read i mean it's very uh it's kind of like ground level stuff that anybody could pick up and understand and it's also very thorough and so i would recommend that book to you and also check out this coming series that we have at our church we'd love to have you join us for that and uh you know maybe you have questions that we will be able to answer during that series Well, let's go over to our text line, but before we do that, let me give you the numbers to call one more time. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And we have all open lines right now. It's interesting. We uh, usually have full lines towards the end of the show and packed lines. I'm sorry, full lines at the end of the show and open lines at the beginning of the show this week was, or this Monday was the other way around, but we do have a ton of text messages coming in. So let's go over there and we'll work our way through the text messages. Okay, so we have one here. Rick from Aurora is requesting prayer for the healing of his brother, Fred, who has Alzheimer's. So let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, we pray for Rick. Uh, We pray for his brother. Lord, pray for Fred. And Lord, we do ask that in your name, Jesus, you would set him free and heal him from Alzheimer's. So we pray that through that, uh, through the cloud and the fog of that disease, Lord, that you would bring clarity about your love, about your truth, and Lord, that he would be healed from that and whatever is causing it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting us know, Rick, about your brother and how we could pray for him. Another person texts in and says, could a believer work in an Indian restaurant that is owned by an unbeliever? Um, My answer to that would be yes. I don't think that you need to um, be concerned about that unless there are practices going on there that you say, okay, this is really something that I can't agree with or sign on with. So for example, I know that I lived in Hungary and there were restaurants there owned by Hare Krishnas and the, the Hare Krishnas would actually, um, their food was, they would do these kind of sacrifices and ceremonies with their food before they sold it. And I would say, if that's the case, I would say definitely that would, preclude a believer from working in that kind of restaurant. In fact, uh, we wouldn't even eat at that restaurant. It's a very popular restaurant in the city we lived in, and we wouldn't eat there. And, you know, it's very similar to what Paul talks about, a food sacrifice to idols. And he actually says, 
that if you can do it in good conscience, that those, he says those, an idol is nothing. And so you can feel free that you can eat that food in good conscience. But if you can't eat it in good conscience, then you shouldn't. And we've felt like, wow, you know, a lot of times we talk about food sacrifice to idols as being like, oh, back in the day, you know, way back in the ancient times, this is what they used to do. Well, they still do it in some places. And so it's, it's still a relevant topic for people who live in certain places. So if that kind of thing is going on, then I think you have a bigger question that you need to answer. But if it's just working in an Indian restaurant, um, I think that that would still be totally possible, you know, serving food, cooking food, et cetera. Um, I, I actually have very many friends who are from Kerala state in India who are believers. In fact, my best man in my wedding was a Christian from Kerala in India. And, um, they, you know, there's like, I forget, they said 30 million Christians in South India. And so there's many, you know, and they eat the same food. So I think that you can serve the Lord Jesus and serve Indian food at the same time. Uh, so I think that shouldn't be a problem for you. Um, but again, if they're going to that degree that some, some people do of actually including ceremonies or sacrifices in the food that they serve, then I would say that that's another question, but at least it's a question that's addressed by the Bible itself. So thanks for that question. I think that you can do that with a good conscience. While you're listening to Calvary Live, we have more um, text questions coming in that we're going to get to, but I do want to give you the numbers to call in if any of you would like to call in with a question. We have 13 minutes left in the show, which is definitely time for two or three more calls. So give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next call, our next text message, which is this. Was the Bible written by Constantine or was it written by King James? Okay, well, that's a question. The answer to both of those is no. Um, but then let's continue with the further questions. Is it true that in, in 300 AD, people sat around and debated what would go to, into the Bible and what wouldn't? And this opens the possibility of great error. Is this accurate? Okay, so absolutely none of those things in your message are accurate. Um, and they do need to be addressed. Now, listen, if any of you out there are listening and you would like to have a scholarly article sent to you by email, which outlines how the New Testament was canonized, which means how we got it in the current form, text me your email address, okay? And I will email it to you after the show. It's a scholarly article that I have uh, been giving to some people lately because it's something that I used in my seminary studies. But uh, a lot of people have questions. How did we get the New Testament? Uh, you know, was it Constantine? Was it King James? Uh, you know, was it 300 AD? People just argued about it and the people in power put what they wanted in and they kept out what they didn't want. And the answer is, is no. And so um, if you would like to get a real scholarly resource on what happened, then text me your email address at our text line, which is 720-336-0897. Now, I'm going to just give you a quick outline of what happened and how the New Testament was canonized and written. Let's put it this way. Um, the term canon, by the way, it means rule. So we call it the rule of faith, meaning just like you would use a ruler, we measure everything against the ruler, right? You want to know how long something is? You measure it against the ruler because the ruler it is the standard. It's the thing that does not change. That's what we call the Bible, the rule of faith, or sometimes we call it the canon, which is the Greek term for rule. Okay, so with the New Testament, 
the process of writing the New Testament happened very early on with the apostles and with those who perhaps, let's say, wrote down what the apostles said. So in some cases, it's just the apostles writing, like Matthew um, and, and John, right? These are the apostles writing. We have letters written by the apostles, Peter and James and Paul. And then we have books that are written, and they're the firsthand writings of the, um, of the apostles, but they're written and down by somebody else. So like Mark's gospel is the record that Peter gave of his firsthand account of Jesus, but it's written down by Mark. Then we have Luke, which is Luke, you know, as a kind of investigative reporter, if you will, he takes all of the firsthand accounts that are out there about Jesus and puts them into one exhaustive and authoritative account. He says that in chapter one of the gospel of Luke. And so what we have there is that we have all of these things taking place, and now here's the thing. When did these writings become recognized as Holy Scripture on par with the Old Testament Scriptures? And the answer to that is it happened in the very early years while the apostles were still alive. Let me give you some examples. In 2 Peter 3, Peter talks about Paul's writings, and he calls them Scripture, the same word that's used of the Old Testament Scriptures. Peter applies that word to Paul's writings. Now, this is while Paul and Peter are still alive, right? Uh, the books of the New Testament, Paul says in his letter to the Colossians at the end and his letter to the Thessalonians, make copies of this and distribute it to all the churches. So as they were writing, they were aware that they were their words were being inspired by the Holy Spirit and that they were writing Scripture. Furthermore, in the early church, we have people like Clement of Rome. This is like A.D. 100 right? AD 95, AD 100, AD 185. These are the times when these people lived. Polycarp, Ignatius of Antioch, Clement of Rome, Irenaeus. These are people, and they wrote about books that were viewed by Christians as being holy scripture, as Christian scriptures. And these are most of the books, 21 out of the 27 books of the New Testament were recognized as holy scripture. There were also some disputed books that had some controversy. The disputed books were Hebrews, James, 2 Peter, and sometimes people say 2nd and 3rd John, although a lot of people think that 2nd and 3rd John were looped in with the epistles of John just as one volume. So the first uh, time that the canon itself was recognized and codified, as we say, was in AD 170. And the reason for that is because there was a theological controversy, meaning that there was some guy who came with a heresy, if you will. And, well, not if you will, that's what he did. He came with a heresy and he said, here's you know something true about Jesus. And people said, hey, that's not true. And he said, well, how do you know it's not true? And they said, well, because we have these scriptures and the scriptures tell us the truth about Jesus. And there we have the canon. Now, what happened in 324, that's the actual year, 324 is the Council of Nicaea. And what happened at the Council of Nicaea was not about choosing the books of the Bible at all. The Council of Nicaea was about debating the Arian controversy. Now, the Arian controversy was there was a dude named Arius who was from Alexandria, which is modern-day Egypt, but at the time it was a Greek city. And he believed that Jesus was not God, and along with that, that the Holy Spirit was not God. Now, he believed Jesus was the Son of God, but not God. This is exactly the same thing that the 
uh, Jehovah's Witnesses say today. So Jehovah's Witnesses are modern day Arians. And they met because what happened is that Constantine became a Christian, at least allegedly, right? That's between him and God. He allegedly became a Christian. And what Constantine did is he started looking around. He realized that some of the Christians were saying that Jesus wasn't God, but most of the Christians were saying that he was God. And he said, you guys got to get together and figure this out. And so Constantine really pushed the bishops of the church, which at that time were very much autonomous. So very different than the way we know the Roman Catholic church today, because the Roman Catholic church didn't exist at the time. And so he got the different anonymous or sorry, autonomous bishops together, and he gave them a place to meet at a place called Nicaea. That's, that's actually how it's pronounced. It's often referred to as Nicaea, but it's pronounced Nicaea, and it's near Constantinople. And so he said, here, meet at this place, Nicaea. And they did this thing, got all these bishops together, and they talked about from the scriptures. Now, that's really important. How do they know if Jesus is God or not God? They looked at the scriptures, which at that time were already definitely recognized as holy scripture and were kept in one volume, which was even referred to by that time as the New Testament. And they said the New Testament teaches, along with the Old Testament, that uh, Jesus is God. And so that was what the Council of Nicaea was about. That was Constantine's involvement in it. And um, yeah, notice this. King James is somebody who lived much, much, much later. King James was the king of Scotland who became the king of the United Kingdom. And um, he helped the Bible to be translated into English, or at least to create an official English translation of the Bible in the early 1600s. So definitely a completely different time period. And that's all that King James did. So, I mean, like the Bible had been uh, in existence for 1600, or the New Testament had been in existence for 1600 years, almost let's say 1500 years by the time that King James ordered the English translation of the Bible to be created. So again, um, yeah, thank you for the question. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And I just want to let you know that um, I know this is a really big topic and there's a lot of misinformation and bad information out there about the topic of how did we get the New Testament. I mean, everything from, if you remember back in the day, the Da Vinci Code and all those weird claims, um, these things have all been dispute or refuted. That's the word I'm looking for. They've all been refuted. There's no, this doesn't hold weight at all. A lot of things that Da Vinci Code said but a lot of people don't know how to access that information that tells them the truth about it. And so that's why I wanted to send out that article to anybody who uh, is interested. Again, the text line, if you send me your email address, I'll send you a good article on the canonization of the New Testament, 720-336-0897. And this week, actually, I had it already planned that on my podcast, I'm going to put out a series of episodes starting this week and then going, we put out one a week and it'll be on the history of how did we get the New Testament? Kind of like, what are some common misnomers? Like the thing about um, Constantine and we are going to um, deal with those and we're going to address them on the podcast. So if you're interested in subscribing to that podcast, so you get that episode, you can just go in your podcast app, search up theology for the people. Theology for the People. That's my podcast. You'll see my name on there as well, Nick Cady. And you can also go to my website uh, where I also write articles and I post all the podcast episodes up there when they come out. My website is nickcady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. I've posted some other things about the canon, but I'm going to be posting more soon. So I'd love for you to subscribe and check that out. Okay. That was a long 
answer, but I think it was worth our time. Let's go on to our next one. We've got only a few minutes left. This question says, my brother-in-law is extremely against drinking alcohol and makes my husband feel bad about drinking alcohol. He claims that Christians shouldn't drink any alcohol. Could you shed some light on the topics of if alcohol is against God's law? Okay, so just a few things. One of them is that uh, we are told explicitly in Ephesians chapter 5 that we should not be drunk, at, in with, drunk with alcohol in which is dissipation, but rather we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what that tells us is that we should not be under the controlling influence of alcohol, and I would say that applies to all other drugs that um, are psychotropic or, or have any effect on your mind that take away your ability to be fully cognizant or fully present. And um, yeah, so I would say that applies there. So I think that applies to marijuana. It applies to any recreational drugs you're doing for escape. Now, it doesn't say that you can't drink alcohol in moderation. And it would seem that Jesus, in one of his miracles, created alcohol. I don't think that he created uh, non-alcoholic alcohol. He created alcoholic wine for a wedding feast. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people drank wine at that time, um, which are not necessarily the same reasons why people drink as much wine as they do nowadays. But I would say that that, that is the thing. And I would say this gets down to one central issue, and i got to wrap it up real quick. And that is this, that it's one thing for your brother-in-law to have a conviction. I would tell him, hey, be strong in your conviction. Do that unto the Lord. Don't drink alcohol if that's your conviction. But then putting that on other people is a different thing altogether. And we're warned against doing that in Paul's letters, for example, Romans 14 and in Colossians chapter 2. So I would say, uh, I don't think what your brother-in-law is doing is good. I think it's fine if he has a conviction, he wants to go with it. So that's the answer. Hey, I got to go. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. We'll be with you every day this week, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.